actions of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you for being here on this first Sunday of Lent. Uh, some, some things are different. We have a different color, Lenten color, um, purple. Yeah, blue for Advent, purple for, for Lent. Um, the cross is covered. I have a different cross. It's uh, horseshoe nails, Liam, well, some kind of nails that Liam got for me years ago. Uh, no hallelujahs during, during this time. We have greens instead of flowers, so it's just we're, we're in a more somber mood uh, as we go through these 40 days. And, you know, as I was saying on Ash Wednesday, I would, I would hope that you understand that the purpose of Lent is to draw us closer to God, to deepen our relationship with God. That's the whole point of this as we move toward, toward Easter. Um, and, by the way, we had an interesting thing we've never done before. We had drive-through ashes. And uh, Deacon Karen and Bethany put out an email to the parents the night before Ash Wednesday. And then Peg and Karen set up their thing over there, and we have a little picture of it. Yay. And they did. 50, almost 50 people wanted to get ashes as they drove their kids through and dropped them off at school. And many of them said, I thank you so much. I've never been able to get ashes before I go to work. You know, and just have them there so as a symbol of, of faith and, and the cross on your forehead. You know, as a, uh, as a symbol of your own mortality, but also a symbol of resurrection because of the cross. It really is a, a wonderful thing. So I want to talk to you this morning about this gospel reading. The big idea is get ready. God wants to use you. Get ready. God wants to use you. This is the story in very in, the, in a very few verses. It's Jesus' preparation for ministry because he's going to come and be baptized by, by John in the Jordan. The skies will open. The heavens are rent asunder. The dove, the Holy Spirit, comes down. The voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is driven out into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted for 40 days by Satan. This is preparing him for his three years of ministry. He comes from Nazareth. Nazareth is in Galilee. You had Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. He's from up north. It's more of a cosmopolitan place. Nazareth was a little bit of a crossroads, um, but it wasn't well respected. You remember Philip, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, my gosh, you know, are you kidding me? And yet here he is. And until this time, he's, he's just been this nondescript carpenter, doing carpentry up in this little hick town of Nazareth. And now he shows up to be baptized by John. Um, people are streaming to John. They're coming out of Jerusalem and all of Judea in order to be baptized. And the Spirit is moving. There's been a great awakening among the people. And they're being convicted of their sin, and they're repenting, and they're, they're full of guilt and regret, and they want to go out and be baptized. And remember that baptism wasn't for the Jews. Baptism was for proselytes who wanted to become a Jew. Jews were not baptized, and you have all these Jewish people being baptized by John because something's going on in their heart. There was a great awakening happening, and I firmly believe in my heart that we're on the verge of a great awakening in our nation and more than our nation around the world. God is moving. The Spirit is moving. 
things are going to start to happen that we haven't seen before or experienced before. We want to be ready and we want to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. Jesus did not need to be baptized. He didn't have any sin to repent of. But he begins his ministry by identifying with the people that are there. He identifies with me. He knows me. He knows my vulnerabilities. He knows my weaknesses. He knows where I need to be on guard and where I need, where I need help. I always am reminded that he began his ministry in the river surrounded by sinners, and he ended his ministry on a cross between two sinners. That's where he spent so much of his time with the sinners. He drove the, he drove the establishment crazy. You know, they couldn't believe that he would go to their houses and be with them and all this kind of stuff. And he said, well, these are the people that, that I, I was sent to minister to, you and me. Um, H.A. Ironside, a wonderful commentator, explained this this way. He said that we are like paupers who have accumulated so many debts that we cannot pay them. These are our sins. These tremendous claims are made against us, and we cannot possibly meet them. But when Jesus came, he took all these mortgages and notes and agreements we could not meet and endorsed them with his own name, thereby saying that he intended to pay them. He would meet them. This is what his, what his, his baptism signifies and is why Jesus said to John the Baptist, thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. He declared his intention to meet the righteous demands of God by himself, undertaking to pay the debts of men. So the baptism was clearly an act of identification with, with mankind, with you and with me. Now the heavens are torn open, the dove descends. Uh, this is reminiscent of Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So the spirit descends. If you are a saved, spirit, well, Christian, Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You are a spirit-filled Christian. The Holy Spirit is the only way that we can make our way through this world. The, only, the Holy Spirit is really the only way that we can live up to our baptismal covenant, part of which reads, and I, these, these first three things are called the three renunciations, and I always say we are very sophisticated <coughs> 21st century Americans, and yet we ask these questions at every baptism. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And we say, I renounce them. People won't say, what are you kidding me? Satan, what is that? Give me a break. You know, what are you smoking? Satan is real. Spiritual warfare is real. There are the good guys and there are the bad guys. And we're the prize. Do you renounce all the the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God. I renounce them. And you see that all around you as the enemy gets a hold of people and corrupts them and destroys them. And we're seeing that more and more and more today than ever. Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? 
And we recognize that there are things in our life that we're vulnerable to that others might not be vulnerable to. You know? But the enemy knows where we're weak, and that's where he heads. That's where he goes. I always say the enemy has two main, main weapons, the, the D squared, doubt and discouragement. Doubt and discouragement. And when you give in to those things, you start to move away from the things of God. But the Spirit moves us back and keeps us strong. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? And all of that means I do. Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? I do. Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? Salvation is one thing, Savior, but Lord is something else. You follow him now as Lord. I am now saved. I've been restored in God, reconciled with the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now what does my life look like? as a representative of that. And that only happens because we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says this to the disciples, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I like the fact that it says you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say you will witness you are a living witness to me. It's not just what you say. It's how you live your life. Am I being transformed into the likeness of Jesus? Now a voice speaks, Thou art my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus gets the assurance of the recognition and the love of the Father. I was saying this morning that I was listening to an interview, and it was talking about the feminization of school. And they were talking about the fact that when you go to an award ceremony, it seems like 90% of the awards are given to the girls. That's true. And they said, well, it's because girls do better listening and studying and learning, and boys are more active, and they like to be out doing things. And there was a psychologist, and he said, he said we looked at 14 different things that kind of reflected on this and, and added to this. And he said one of the things that was almost common to all of them was fatherlessness fatherlessness. And I know there are a lot of people who are growing up in, in a home without a dad. Um, and it's so important, though. Fathers are so important in the lives of young people as they grow up. It takes a mom and a dad. And sometimes that doesn't work, and, I, and, and I'm not throwing stones at anybody, but that's a reality. That's a reality. But I remember Gloria Steinem back in the 60s, the feminist icon, and she said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Do fish need bicycles? No, they don't. That's what she was saying about men and women. God made them male and female, and for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. Marriage. So important in our day and age. So the father affirms Jesus as his son. And it's interesting, all three persons are in these short verses. You have the father who speaks, Jesus is baptized, and the Holy Spirit descends one place where you see the Trinity. So now the Holy Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. The word drive is very intense. Drive out, expel, send away. It's not an invitation to go spend a little time in the wilderness. It's also the word that is used to, to drive out demons from people. So it's very, very strong. And it's interesting to me that it's the Spirit who drives Jesus into the desert. Okay? Satan wants to tempt us 
to do wrong. God wants to test us to do right. He's testing Jesus through the temptations of Satan. So his period of temptation was necessary for his work of redemption. And again, Hebrews says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we have not a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet did not sin. He knows me. Repeat myself. He knows me. He knows where I'm strong, and he knows where I'm weak, and he knows where I need help. And his spirit is there to hold me up and to guide me and direct me. I'll say to birthday, when I do a birthday blessing, Lord, lead, guide, and direct their steps this year to stay close to you, to stay close to you. Unlike the other accounts, Mark tells us the wording that he uses in the Greek, Jesus is tempted the whole time he's in the wilderness. doesn't stop. You read the other accounts, and it's he was, he was, you know, turn the stones into bread, and then maybe a week later it was throw yourself off the temple, and a week later it was bow down before me. No, no, it was those things, but it was also a lot more that we don't know about. He was under constant pressure from the enemy to give in and give up. Forty days being pressured in body, mind, and spirit. Forty days means a long time. You know, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights for Noah. Moses on Sinai for 40 days. The, the Israelites are in the desert for 40 years. The spies go into the promised land for 40 days. There's just a lot of, you know, Goliath is taunting the Israelites for 40 days. The number 40 means a long time. So he's in the wilderness for a long time, and he's fasting, and he's hungry, and he's thirsty, and all the rest that goes with it. When the, dove, when the skies open and the dove falls, the spirit falls, and the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and he's baptized, I would say that's kind of a high water mark. That's a high time. But high times are awful, often followed by hard times. And we kind of get, and when we get like that, we get vulnerable. We kind of take our eyes off him. And so we've got to be careful. Don't relax. Don't drop your guard. He's always after you, looking for an opportunity to get you. Like Peter says, you know, like a, a lion prowling around, devouring whom he will. Um, you know, I have some rules. I have a rule like I'm never alone in a car with a woman that's not my wife or my daughter. Now, I broke that rule Wednesday. I did. I admit it. I confess. Murphy and I drove from the church parking lot to the school. But I had all the windows open. My arms were out the window, and it was okay. And then I made her walk back to the church because I wasn't having any of that. True? That's right. I don't have a meal with a woman alone who's not my wife or my daughter. I never break that one. I think I broke it with, where's Shirley? I drove you back from uh, Hawthorne. No, when we visited, we dropped Peg off. And you were, of course, you were in the trunk, so it, it didn't matter. <laughs> so the whole idea 
getting her in and getting her out. You know, it was just, but it was worth it. We didn't do that at 8 o'clock, did we? You've got to be careful because you never know, you're never alone. God is always with you. You're never alone. And sometimes this comes home to haunt you, okay? I don't know if, if any of you saw this, but this week the Oakland School Board, the Oakland School Board was having a Zoom meeting with themselves, and they were going to be joined later by the parents. And while they think they're just by themselves, they are trashing the parents, mocking them, making fun of them because they want their kids back in school. And they're using the worst profanity, really. And all of a sudden, they realize the parents are on the call. Every one of the school board has resigned. Good. They should. But they thought they were alone, and they weren't. We're never alone. God is always there. The Spirit is always there. All right? Three temptations, just quickly, the stones to bread, what that God doesn't care about you. When things aren't going well, they're not going your way, you're not getting what you expected, where is God? Where is he? Doesn't he care about me? Doesn't he know what's happening in my life? That's what the enemy wants Jesus to think. Loneliness of the spirit. Um, the, the idea of proving himself before men, making yourself popular. Jump off the temple. The angels will hold you up, and you'll be amazed. You'll be a sensation. They all want to be on your team. They all want to follow you. Go do it. But again, as you heard me say a thousand times, that's the difference between stepping out in faith and trusting God and leaping off the temple and tempting God, you know. I mean, I ask myself those questions. I really do. Um, who here was on the vest room when we voted to build this, start this building, break ground on this building? One, two, three, four. And, yeah, and we prayed about that, and we didn't have enough money. We, didn't, we weren't where we wanted to be, but we all believed that this is what God wanted, and we stepped out in faith, and we're sitting in it. We didn't fling ourselves off the temple and tempt him. We just stepped out in faith and trusted him. And then the... The last one was, you can get what you want, which was salvation of the world without the cross. Just bow down to me. You can have the whole thing. Shortcut. There are no shortcuts to get where you want to go in life that, make, that, that work, that makes sense. Don't take a shortcut. There's a route to where you want to go. This is how you travel. All the temptations that Jesus encounters are met with something very simple. It is written, very short and sweet. Man does not live by bread alone. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then it says, Satan departed until an opportune time. In the same way that he never quit in the desert, he never quit through his ministry. He was always lurking in the life of Jesus. He was always trying to make him doubt his father. That's one of the reasons Jesus met with his dad a lot. He would go to the mountain and go off by himself. He was with people. He was busy. He was engaging. He was relational. He was healing. He was casting out demons. But then he would back off and go up and be by himself. Not even the disciples were with him, you know. 
this is a good time. These, these, this, this time of Lent is a good time to spend some time with God, quality time that you don't normally do. You know, I got to get back into the habit of putting TWG on my schedule, time with God, and come up here for 30 minutes and walk and pray and just sit. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to fight temptation. Um, Romans says this, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ and you are spirit-filled, you get a new nature. You do not have a sin nature anymore. You have a spirit nature, a God nature. You've been reconciled with the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean we can't sin, but I have a new nature. Now, the other night at Breakout, where Matthew McKenzie did an excellent job of talking about spiritual things, spiritual warfare, in fact, I told a story. Martin Luther used to tell this story. Um, he said, when Satan would come knocking at the door of my heart, Jesus would answer it. And Satan would say, does Martin Luther live here? And Jesus would say, he used to live here, but he moved out. I live here now. I love it. That's the way it ought to be with all of us, spirit-filled people. I think it's true. It's fair to say that many are living in a wilderness today. Physical stress, emotional stress, people are lonely, they're tired, they're weighing big decisions, they're facing uncertainty. Never seen anything like this in our nation with the COVID. People have been denied relationship. We had a breakout Friday night, as I mentioned, and our, our musical guy was Luke Ferguson. Luke is the singer, the worship leader over here music teacher, and he got up here and was practically in tears, and he said, I, I can't tell you what it means to have people singing when I'm playing, because I haven't experienced this in almost a year. He's the worship leader at a church somewhere, but, then, but they're not, apparently they're not meeting. So this is, we just take it for granted, because this is what we've been doing since May last year, but that's unusual, you know. Are you singing over it? Central Christian? All right. Good. This is Val Reed. Her husband is Doug Reed, who is the pastor at Central Christian. And this is Allie Phillips, who runs the Women's Pregnancy Center, or Education for Life. They'll be talking to us in just a minute. When you're in that situation, you're ripe for temptation. You're, you're a target. And we've seen more addiction more death, more suicides. People are just giving up hope, and the enemy's loving it. He's having a field day. People need the Spirit. They need God. Lives are being destroyed. This is a Lent like no other, and I really believe with all of my heart we need to be intentional about our own preparation for ministry in the future. This is the time also of winnowing, winnowing in the, the larger, wider church, but there's also a winnowing in our community of faith. 
our church, Christ the King, where you, you won't see people that you used to see for whatever reason. But we're also seeing new, new people, new faces. New faces come a lot lately. And I hope they're coming in response to what they're hearing about this place, that God is present and active, and it's a place where the word of God is lifted up. What does God have for Christ the King? I'm not sure. What does he have for me? I'm not sure, but I pray that we'll be ready when it does make itself known. Will we stand up, stand firm, and not back down? Will we, like the sign says, stand up for what's right if we're the only ones standing? Not in a mean, combative way, but just standing up for God and standing up for the truth. And again, I truly believe there's an awakening coming. And I also believe that God wants this place and his people here to be part of it as we move forward, as things start to to make themselves known. So don't doubt. Don't be discouraged. God is on the throne. Get ready because God wants to use you. Amen. Now, this is a video. It's, It's a song you know, Change My Heart, O God. But it's a different video. Watch this guy, what he does.
that amazing? Yeah. Well, get ready. He wants to use you. Amen.